Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, summer listeners. Greetings to all seasonal listeners, Ben. In case this is the first time that you're listening to this podcast, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists and we use this time to talk about all of the latest cars we've been driving as well as some news that's going on in the industry as well. Ben, I think you have the more interesting car between the two of us. Um, we, tw- we teased it last week. You had the very weird-looking BMW 640 Gran Turismo. Yes. Tell me the, a little bit about this The thing. 640 GT. I'm going to be straight up with you. This is the strangest car in the BMW lineup, and that is not ne- but, but, but that is not a negative. I'm not saying that because I dislike it. I'm saying that because it is an improbable vehicle. I think if you went back even 10 years ago and were at a BMW board meeting and you pitched something like the 6 Series Gran Turismo, you would get thrown out of that board meeting or met with puzzled, blank, silent stares. Or maybe, you know, a German exec would awkwardly chew on the end of a pen while they waited for you to finish your flight of fancy. (laughs) This is a strange weirdo of a vehicle and sammy why is it so weird because it doesn't quite have like a way of describing it it looks super strange i think i think it's supposed to be a replacement for the old five series gran turismo which was hideous that was a hideous vehicle with the flat back so Mm -hmm. for those of you who are not intimately familiar with the depths of bmw's marketing speak gran turismo is a way of saying hatchback sort of for kind of yeah for vehicles like a notchback yeah they're they're larger than a traditional hatchback so they made a five series with a big lift back but it was actually riding on the seven series platform Mm -hmm. so it was huge it had a ton of space and it was horrible to look at because the back of the car was just truncated they made a three series as well that was also kind of hard on the eyes although it was smaller so i appreciated that there wasn't as much of it to look at but the 6 Series Gran Turismo, it, this new one. Ben, actually, wait, Ben. Why can't we just say it looks like an X6 or X4, but lower to the ground? Because I don't think it does. I think if, <laughs> if, if anything, I think this is the Mercedes-Benz R-Class in BMW form. I think this is BMW's take on the R-Class. And the R-Class, for those, again, it's who maybe... It's a three-row... It's a Pacifica. It was, no, well, it wasn't a Pacifica, but it was a minivan-esque version of the crossover that Mercedes made about 10 years ago. They made an AMG version, an R63. Yeah. But uh, it, it, no one bought it. It was a very... It was an outlier. And BMW... Sorry, Mercedes doesn't like to talk about it anymore. It's like the R-Class <laughs> never happened, and please don't bring it in for service, and wouldn't you like to drive a GLE uh, instead? But I, okay. I, I say this because the 6 GT is super useful. Um, it is... It's like the – so, again, like the 5 Series GT before it, it is basically a 7 Series platform, isn't it, underneath? It's very mm-hmm. similar. Yeah. It's huge. It is a very big vehicle. It has 65 cubic feet of cargo space with the rear seats folded and, like, wow. 31 cubic feet with them up. That is enormous. That is midsize SUV levels of space in a car-like vehicle that, like Sammy said, rides really low to the ground – it looks so strange. Like, I had the one I had was white, so you can't really see a lot of the detail. It's kind of, it's kind of blobtastic. I, I, it's not ugly, but it's just, it's just weird. Like, I had people looking at me while I was driving by thinking, that's probably expensive. 
<laughs> like that's that's their first thought, and then their second thought is, why does it look like that? <laughs> but I mean, my goodness, it's so comfortable. In addition to being huge inside for cargo, the rear seat is ridiculous. There's a ton mm-hmm. of room back there. Driving it, it's it's like you're on a cloud, to use the old cliche, but it's not a disconnected cloud. Like it it drives fairly engaged. Um, I wouldn't say it's fun, but you've got decent power. It's 335 horsepower from a twin turbo straight six, a three liter straight six. Mm-hmm. It's the only version of the car you can get is a 640. It's it all wheel drive is standard. It has an eight-speed automatic, 332 pound-feet of torque. Again, numbers I don't believe at all. I'm sure BMW is massively underrating that because uh, it's it's much faster than you think it would be. Um, it does zero to sixty in five seconds. Five seconds. Who is What's this a- vehicle for? <laughs> who is the? This is the thing I spent a full week asking myself. Who is the six series GT customer? I can't okay. figure it out. <laughs> Let's talk about this because there's a bunch of numbers that you, or a bunch of things that you mentioned that just there's no context quite for it. The the cargo space with the seat with the seats up is 31 cubic feet. Yeah. With them down is 65. That's you what double, I said. That's you what I said. Double, I know you, but it's just you more than double the space. Like it's it's almost that's insane. That's almost insane. Um, the headroom in the front and rear. Uh, sorry, the leg room in the front and rear are almost identical. Same with the headroom, almost uh, separated by a an inch, which I think is super impressive about this car. There's a ton of space in this thing. You're right. This is one of the most useful vehicles. Just looking at the numbers, you can see it. You don't even have to be in the car to 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 see no, what and, you can do with this and, much and, space. And you sit 2.8 inches higher than you do in a 5 Series. So it kind of gives you like a weird like SUV-type feeling. But then you open the doors, and they're frameless. It's just Ooh. it's frameless glass, so you're like, wait a minute, am I in a Subaru? Like it's it's just because it's not a coupe, right? Which is where you'd expect no. that. So it's 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 a puzzling, you know. It's almost like they really really wanted to build a wagon, and then yeah. someone was like, no one will buy it. Don't ever build it. And then they're like, what about this thing? And they drew like they drew like a wagon, but they like with a truck, like a, just like a teardrop rear end, and they were like, build that immediately. And now we have this six series GT. <laughs> well, like. Question is who does who was looking at this and, and said, "Yeah, it looks good, but if it had frameless window, frameless <laughs> window, no, it's that's so gonna make it." It is the most baffling car in the BMW lineup, and and it's baffling and it's good. It's, it's so I can good. I I don't know who I would recommend to buy this car because I mean, don't buy an X6. I, I I'm not a fan. I, I yeah. feel like an X6 is just big and bulky and not that useful, and yet. The 6 Series GT, which in so many ways, like you said, kind of looks like an X6, maybe from a distance, but it's it's just somehow so much better. Uh, maybe because it's it's like a wagon, and that's giving me um, giving me a little bit of wagon passion for it. But uh, I think most people, when they look at BMW SUVs, they buy an X5 in this class, which is similar in terms of capacity. Um, I don't know. How do you direct someone from an X5 across the showroom and like, hey, how about this thing over here, you know? And then you go over and you're like, it's a six series, but it's not a coupe, and it's not a grand coupe, and it's not a convertible. It's a hatchback, I guess. <laughs> and then you convince them to buy it. Like that, that, that it, it's not cheap either. It starts at seventy grand. Okay, that's a buttload of money. 
It is a huge. Um, like again, <laughs> who is what? buying this vehicle? Okay, I'll explain it. I'll, I'll, you mentioned the X6. The X6 is a great thing to bring up right now. This car, the 640 GT, has more passenger space in the rear and more cargo space than an X6. So maybe that's what it's for. Maybe it's for the person who thought they wanted a crossover, a, a crossover, a stylish crossover from BMW, but was not impressed with the amount of space that it had. That's very possible. And and you know what? Who else it might be for? It might be for someone who already has a seven series. Yeah. And they want more cargo, but they don't want a truck. So yeah. they're like, how about this thing? And then they're like, <laughs> I mean the seven. The 7 Series looks like a limo, and this doesn't. No, so, I mean, this, there's also this that has no visual equivalent <laughs> yeah. in the – I guess teardrop you – know, you know, maybe what this is, maybe the 640 GT is the ultimate inside baseball. We built this just for existing BMW owners to pull them further into the BMW womb. Like, this is the kind of car where if you've owned five or six BMWs or maybe concurrently owned five or six BMWs – you look at it and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. And then you buy it because you're in. You're in. You've drunk the Kool-Aid. Yeah, you're you, just all in. You're you're you've drank the Kool-Aid. That's a great way to put it. You're you just love infatuated. It. Exactly. And there's you, nothing wrong with drink that. Drink out of your BMW branded cup. Because you're not going to be upset because you're going to get it and you're going to be like, this is exactly what I thought it would be. And it gives me everything I needed because it does. So I'm, I'm currently on the BMW site. And I'm adding a whole bunch of options. I want to see how expensive you can get it. You can add stuff like integral active steering, dynamic uh, suspension, which I believe my car had, c- car came with. I had an M package of some kind on the car. There's a luxury seating package um, that gives you ventilating and massage seats. Again, hints of the 7 Series. Uh, um, park, parking assistance, executive package, which comes with gesture controls. My, my vehicle had that. Yeah, my least favorite BMW feature. A nice head-up display, surround view camera, parking assistance. This is It's it's like a 7 Series with a hatch. And, okay, what's, so- and what's wrong with that, really? Exactly. Actually, I drove this I drove this very briefly during the U, uh, the World Car of the Year uh, testing day during the Alley Auto Show. Sammy, Sammy is a World Car of the Year juror, just in case anyone didn't, didn't just, know that. I did just sneak in. And he just likes to like, casually bring it up. Everyone, so He has a t-shirt that says, ask me about World Car of the Year. Like, <laughs> You can't see that he's wearing that now, but trust me, he's wearing it. Okay. Uh, I am actually, I'm wearing it underneath my uh, unnamed automotive podcast t-shirt. Um, <laughs> and I looked at it and I said, this is going to be so weird to drive. But then I first thing I opened the doors, those weird frameless doors, and said, "Well, that's weird." And then you look inside this car, and it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It was, yeah, it's really nice. It's so well trimmed. It's and really nice. And then you nice. drive it, and you it's like not. It totally breaks your brain. You you the way it drives and the way it looks are completely opposite um, emotions and feelings. It's but how? Insane. How how refreshing is it for a car company to come out of the blue with something so unexpected and just have it defy all of your expectations and create this general sense of well-being at $81,950, <laughs> which is what you can option the vehicle up to? Uh, I mean, that's a lot of money. That is 100% a lot of money. And, and and I, but I will at least admit that the 5 Series Gran Turismo did not feel like this. It those, never felt special, special no. like this car. I see those on the road, and it's it's my immediate thought is why it's like why yeah. why why would out of all the cool BMWs out there, the useful BMWs, you went home with this, 
you were like, this is me. This is exactly me. And again, I look at the 6GT and I'm like, who is saying this is exactly me? I don't know. <laughs> but if you if it is you, you will be well rewarded, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there a competitor for this product? No, there is nothing like this product <laughs> on the market. Maybe if the R class was still around, it would kind of be a competitor. But other, this is just this is just next level BMW design and engineering in a package you never would have expected, and and no one else has anything even close to this. I I actually think there's closer things than we than we'll give credit oh, for. Oh, here we go. Contrary opinions from Sammy Hadjian. Yeah, I think the new seven. Uh, sorry, A, not A. S7. You don't even know what you're saying. <laughs> yes, Audi S7 might get close to this experience. What? Um, it has a lot S7? of S7. A- yeah. No, wait. A car that is universally regarded as gorgeous, sleek, and not a crossover. <laughs> yes. Is the GT? Is the would you call the Gran Turismo a crossover? I'm afraid to call it anything. I don't want to. <laughs> yes. I don't want to risk defining it and making it lose its sparkle. I I would call it. It has a hatchback. Okay. It has a or a sportback like design, and I would say that the S7 gets close to that. But the S7 is not wagon esque in the same way that the GT is. That's true. That's really 100 percent true. And it doesn't um, ride as high. Like, when you're in the S7, you don't feel like you're in a crossover. Yeah, you feel like you're in a sedan. Whereas in this vehicle, they've given you extra ride height over the 5. <laughs> sort of ride height, seat height, sorry. To kind of make you think that you bought a crossover, but you didn't. But you bought something you can't even explain to people that you love. <laughs> what a weird car. Now, you can get the... What's even funnier is you can get the 6 Series as a coupe, a convertible, a four-door sedan, and this thing. Yeah. Yeah, and all and, of them are called six series. Yeah, because the branding and is a real thing now, and uh, niches have to be occupied, and if not occupied, then completely dominated. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this GT is in a niche all on its own. You know what? I hope that this vehicle provokes other car companies to in make a w- something like this. Yes, to, make- to have them be like, "Hey, how about we get weird too? <laughs> we we build." We build the vehicle we've always wanted to, but have been afraid to build. Because well, we it weirds me out that BMW always wanted to build this thing because it doesn't make any sense. They just basically went through their. They somebody just threw like spun a wheel with all of their parts on it. Yeah, frameless doors. Yeah, hatchback. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the good the good six all wheel drive. The good, Lots of space the good straight six. Yeah, and then there and then and then someone was like, I love wagons, and like we're not. Allowed to build wagons well let's get as close as we can before anyone stops us yeah <laughs> so kudos to whoever signed off on this vehicle at bmw this is you this were is... out of your minds and it worked out no but you know what as for as hard of a time as i give crossovers and suvs for not really doing anything better than what a wagon does this is what crossovers should look like they don't need to be gargantuan tall riding fake off-road style vehicles. They need to be the 640 GT, which is essentially all the practicality of a wagon with the same drivability and tons of luxury and space inside. But I don't feel like I'm, you know, I don't, I, I never feel like I'm towering over traffic around me. Like I have trouble parking it. Like it's just awkward in a city. It's it's a car and it's a car that does everything. I think you summed it up. I think this is a seven series that isn't a sedan. Um, and up till now, BMW hasn't quite had a flagship, 
like crossover or SUV, and wow. this is probably their closest way, the closest they can get to it. I think they'd like to say the X6 is their flagship. Oh please, gosh no, I I wouldn't say that. It That's... certainly get it certainly takes it gets a lot of attention, and you see a lot of them out there as status symbols. Because okay. it's the only reason you'd buy one. It's it's not like they're useful. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm trying to say. The six the six forty GT is so good. So you're that saying makes sense to me. You saying the six forty GT is the new BMW flagship? Uh, non sedan. Wow, that's a really bold statement. It's that also a, really real. That's a big qualifier. What kind of MSTK three thousand future is the GT <laughs> leading us towards now? Like you you put a lot of weight on its unusually shaped shoulders, Sammy. <laughs> Well, that's the way it is. Um, yeah, are, you have anything else you want to say about? This? No, I think I've exhausted. I, I, I feel spent. Okay. Um, as I teased in the last podcast, I'll be driving. I drove a Grand Cherokee. Um, I drove a V6 equipped Grand Cherokee. It's called the Limited model with the Sterling package. Sterling package? Yeah, Sterling. Like Sterling Archer? Nope. I think Sterling. Like British like, pounds Sterling? Yeah, kind of. Maybe. Um, the elements of the Sterling package are, are weird. Um, it adds a bunch <laughs> of exterior appearance bits, um, unique wheels, 20 inch wheels that are considered heritage wheels. What does that and mean? Just, <laughs> I don't know. They apparently they look like older, uh, Grand Cherokee wheels. It's kind of meant to commemorate the 25th anniversary of the Grand Cherokee as far as I understand. Okay. Um, and it also has these platinum, um, Platinum accents on the outside of the vehicle, like around the, you know how they have like these tow hooks on the front of Grand Cherokees? Well, that's covered in in, plat, in like a platinum metal, which wow. is weird. Totally won't ever scratch when exactly. you're using it. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you know what? This was a pretty expensive vehicle. It cost about 40, I would say $47,000. Uh, it had the V6, the Pentastar V6 that makes 295 horsepower and 260 pound-feet of torque or 60 Yes, 260 pound-feet uh, pound of torque, sorry. Um, and it was a very good car, and I, and I would recommend this, just like I said with the Sorento, this is the closest to premium you can get um, without jumping up into like a Lexus and Acura, a Lincoln, or a Buick, or a Cadillac. I think people are pretty happy with, the, with Grand Cherokees. I'm usually very happy with them. But after driving it back-to-back -back with a brand-new vehicle, the Sorento in particular, I think it's lost a little bit of its uh, of its luster. Um, uh, I disagree with you, and I have reasons why, but I want to hear your okay. reasons first. Well, for starters, the way it drives is very truck-like, and we had this discussion on the last podcast. I think I remember discussing, you know, trucks have a little bit more of like a bounce to them. They they kind of lumber around a little bit, and um, which is a good thing and a bad thing. It's good in rougher situations like rough pavements, rough road services, and the Grand Cherokee really excels here. Um, but when you want to when you want to push a vehicle very hard, you end up getting a lot of um, body roll, um, some sway, um, kind of like a boat when you accelerate and decelerate. The car tilts forward and tilts backwards, which is a little bit unfortunate. Um, and other elements of the vehicle just feel a little bit looser in comparison to the Sorento. I mean. Um, steering, for example, just isn't as quick um, to react that the Sorento would be. But, of course, the Grand Cherokee comes with a whole bunch of capability that the Sorento can't even touch. It is so much more capable off-road. It has this uh, terrain-select all-wheel drive system, which allows you to dial in the road surface condition that you have in front of you and tackle that with more confidence. 
Um, and as cool as that is, I you need to. I, maybe I should add the qualifier that you know, without the right tires, your Grand Cherokee still won't become like a rock climbing monster, despite you putting that thing that says rocks, <laughs> dialing that thing that says rocks. Suddenly your truck doesn't transform. Um, and um, I'm uh, if if those things appeal to you, it also has much more uh, towing ca- ca- capability. I think it's sixty two hundred uh, pounds. In these situations, um, for these reasons, if you want those elements of a truck, it's going to work out much more than any crossover will ever will ever meet your your needs. But I think for the vast majority of everyday drivers, um, a crossover like the Sorento will do the trick. Now, you you mentioned you were talking about steering. You said that this Grand Cherokee came on twenty inch rims, right? Yeah. What was on the Sorento? Nineteenth. Uh, Okay, so I think that, that could have a serious impact on handling. Okay. I, I think that if you were on smaller rims on the Grand Cherokee, because I, I, I've driven the Grand Cherokee SRT on a racetrack. Okay, well, we, we, SRTs are different different animals, man. But the platform remains the same. And in, if anything, the SRT is more stiffly sprung um, and would kind of give you more of the, the bounciness you're talking about. But more to the point... I think the, the, the disconnect that I have with you when we're comparing the Sorento to the Grand Cherokee, the Grand Cherokee can be had with a 5.7 liter V8. Yep, yep. absolutely. And, no, and for a long time, a, a turbo yep. diesel V6. Yep. So the fact is, uh, and also what, what trim level was the Grand Cherokee again? Limited. Limited. With the isn't sterling there, package. Isn't there an overland trim above that? Oh, yeah. There's a bunch of other trim levels uh, ahead of that as well. So you were saying this is like as close to premium as you can get, but there, there, you can get like much more premium versions of the truck. I, I guess mm-hmm. what I'm saying is if you got a V8-powered Grand Cherokee in overland trim, it blows the Sorento away just in terms of features and comforts. Um, but maybe dollar for dollar it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm saying I, that there's 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 the ceiling on the Sorento is real. Right. It's a, it, the Sorento is a very good vehicle, but you would never buy a Sorento. You would never compare a Sorento to a luxury brand, I don't think, unless maybe like we were saying earlier, Acura, Infinity, Lexus. I think there's a and you can definitely here. do that with a with a fully loaded Grand Cherokee. You can totally do that. You're also paying for that. Yeah, I think as well. I think a, a fully loaded Grand Cherokee up against a Mercedes, uh, and, well, whatever the GLE, GL, GLE or yeah. an X5. It I makes think that's some a, sense. That's a legitimate comparison. Yeah. I would still take one of the one of those luxury cars over it, but I just wanted to. No, add I would it. not. Never. No. 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 Oof. Um, Oof. I would. I would still say I don't want to discredit the Grand Cherokee. Is what I'm trying to say. I think the Grand Cherokee has some strong elements. I didn't mention the the engines because there's so many of them. Okay, and there's really good engines. That Hemi yeah. V8 and, is good, but it's terrible on gas. And you did um, you did touch on the fact that you know if you want to tow, you would get the Grand Cherokee. Yeah, if you wanted to go sure. off road, you would get the Grand Cherokee. Yeah. I mean, the Grand Cherokee has a different mission. Than, than the Sorento, Sorento does, absolutely. but they share similar missions for part of why part of their raison d'être yes. is is shared. But I, I, it's like it's like a Venn diagram. It really is. <laughs> they they match up a little bit in the center, and we and that's where I took them. And yeah. um, and, and price wise, really, you're right. Like they're def- yeah. probably being cross shop. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had some issues with UConnect, Ben. Uh, you connects the best. What are you saying? How is I know I know. How did this happen, Ben? I had bad issues with it. It turned off. The screen turned off. I couldn't do anything. Uh, despite restarting the car, despite you know even I could put it into reverse and I would get the camera, but as soon as I put it into drive or park, the screen would just be blank. Um, I would press every button on the on the console. Nothing showed up uh, except for the climate, the 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 indicator of what my climate setting was at. 
It wasn't until I placed a call with my phone and my phone was still connected to the Uconnect system that suddenly the screen, the screen turned on again. And then suddenly it was working all over again as if nothing was wrong. And I think I mentioned this happening to me in the in the compass as well. And I thought that was an yeah. isolated scenario. This is not an isolated scenario. And so. haven't haven't some of our colleagues had similar situations in the new Wrangler? Yeah, uh, one of my colleagues had a, an issue, uh, a much more severe issue with the Wrangler. Um, so I don't know. It it bugged me that it bugs me that. Um, Reliability is still something that Jeep needs to, and the SDA product lineup needs to 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 hit. I'm also losing my my love for the layout and um and materials being used, at least in this limited trim model. I used to really like what Jeep was offering at this level. I used to, it used to feel um, pretty premium, but I think it's being outdone by other other brands at that mid and high end. Or at least at this price point. What's, and what price point is that? This is forty-seven grand, so it lined up exactly with that Sorento, that fully loaded Sorento. Okay, so this is a top-tier Sorento versus a mid-trim Jeep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's important to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. But, because they're priced but, the same. But they're, there's they're priced that you might you might expect from one another. But they're priced the same because you're getting more with the Jeep. Because I mean, you're getting that towing and that off-road capability. None of that is possible with the Sorento, right? You get a third row in the Sorento. Okay, and yeah. you, get more, you get more cargo space as a result too. That's that's fine. But you're still paying the the, the they're a priced the same. It's not a Jeep tax. It's it's your buying capability that the Sorento mm-hmm. doesn't have. So that's why interior-wise they might not line up as much because that's a top-tier Sorento with a mid-tier Jeep. And the pricing is the same only because the mid-tier interior comes with uh, off-roading capability and hauling capacity that you just wouldn't have in the Sorento. So, okay. again, it's like that Venn diagram, and these are the things that are on the outside where, where things don't line side. up. Yeah. Okay, so here's something where they both have, um, and I, I'll explain why I want to bring this up. Both cars have all of those like never-ending lists of driver's driver assistance and safety features, adaptive cruise control that both bring the vehicle to a stop. They both have blind spot monitoring. They both have lane keeping assist. They have wicked rear view cameras. The Jeep has parking sensors and those um, that parking like automatic parking feature. Um, and you know what? I I won't say that one car feels safer than the other, but for whatever reason, the IIHS will say that, and they will say they will give the 2019 Sorento a top safety pick, say top safety pick plus rating. While the Jeep has no rating, no top safety pick or top safety pick plus rating. Um, and they say that has something to do with the small passenger side overlap test, as well as um, I think their lighting system in the Jeep. So that's, I have, that's uh, worth, worth bringing up. I, yeah, but I mean, again, the uh, Sorento was completely redesigned for this year, or mm-hmm. at least very strongly redesigned. Very for strongly re- refreshed. refreshed. Yep. And the jeep's been around since 2012 i think 2014 i'm not sure okay so yeah. I, again i don't think that that overlap test existed when the mm-hmm. jeep was designed so that's something to keep i uh, kind of as an aside these tests uh the reason they keep changing and evolving over time is because automakers design to the test yeah that's that's why cars have crazy roof crush requirements or sort of roof crush capabilities that's why they have the overlap capability until the overlap tests were introduced 
no one was testing for that. So that's why when they were first introduced, everyone failed them horribly. Then they started redesigning, but it's a cycle. So if you're in the middle of a cycle of a design cycle, when a new test gets introduced, you probably won't do well on that test. Right. But if you're buying a new car and one has this top safety pick plus rating and the other one doesn't, it's something that you'll notice at least on the spec sheet on the, on the, on the yeah, marketing. It's, it's definitely marketing. It's definitely something that you can say, well, that, and that's nothing that you want to test. You can't test it, right? Like I can't, I can't we can even find figure, a way, Sammy. Yeah, I can't even figure out how we're going to test. We can't like say the IHS was right or wrong or should give the Jeep as high of a rating as the as the Kia. But some people will probably take those things into consideration. Um, some people who are uh, maybe protective, overprotective of their families that they're going to be hauling around or um, whoever's driving the vehicle or whatever sort of traffic or driving history they have. If they find themselves in a lot of accidents or in accidents in the past and they wanted something that was safer, they might want to go with something like the Kia Sorento um, in this situation. Now, now, Sammy, you mentioned uh, we, there were some other things that happened um, in the industry this week that weren't Sorento, Jeep, or BMW related. Yeah, actually, yes. We have some really funny um, press releases that uh, that popped up this week. I'm going to start with um, Hyundai. You want to talk about Hyundai for a second? I do want to talk about Hyundai. And um, this release was actually written by a friend of mine, and uh, he's a great guy. But we're not. We're not. It's not the release itself that's funny. It's the the capability that uh, it's it's touting, and that's the fact that uh, Hyundai, in partnership with something called Zevo is now allowing you to make in-car purchases from the from their vehicles. But this is not a new thing. We've talked about this in the past. Where with I Chevrolet, was, right? With Chevrolet, where you could buy like a donuts and coffee yeah. before you got there and how it doesn't really actually save you any time at all. But what's what's fascinating about, about this Hyundai is how specific it is. Um, you can buy, find and pay for gas at Chevron and Texaco. That's fine. Cars need gas, etc. Mm -hmm. But, Sammy, what is the special thing you can buy with this Hyundai system now? You can order and pay for Applebee's. Applebee's to go. Okay. Not just regular Applebee's. And it, there's a, there's actually a menu, a visual <laughs> menu on the safe. screen. It's, it's, it's a screen with pictures of the food from Applebee's. And you can just buy it with your Hyundai digital wallet payment platform. Yeah. Um, so, Ben, how long were you waiting for um, a prepayment feature in your car to go to Applebee's to go? I think I haven't been to an Applebee's <laughs> in 10 years because I couldn't pay for it from my car. <laughs> what is the purpose of this, Ben? Like, how badly do I need to get in and out of the Applebee's uh, with my food without having to pay for it? from my car that I need to do. Like, what is the scenario that, and why are all of, like, is this a, a feature that Hyundai, that Hyundai um, customers wanted or something that Applebee customers wanted? Yeah, that's like, a good question. what is the overlap in this situation? <laughs> the other thing is, like, is this a marketing opportunity for Hyundai or for Applebee's? Because I can't tell either. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it seems like maybe Applebee's is benefiting more from this because sure. I don't think anyone goes into a Hyundai dealership and is like, can I order Applebee's from this car? No sale! No sale! <laughs> and then they throw the pen down and they walk away. That never happens. Um, but here's the uh, – so I'm assuming Applebee's doesn't have drive throughs right? Like you have to go in and pick it up? I, I don't know. I haven't been to an Applebee's in my life. <laughs> so I, I think that – I think that, Actually, I have. I was in New York, so obviously that one also did not have a drive through So there's there's two things that this the system is saving you. 
The first thing is you don't have to talk to another human being. Finally. You, you can order everything by touching things on the screen. You could walk in and silently grab your bag of food, make no contact whatsoever, in theory, and walk back out to your car. So if you want to do that, you can do that with the system. The other thing it saves you is the 30 to 45 seconds that it would take to pay with your credit card or cash after ordering at the cash itself. Because you can always call in in advance and mm-hmm. talk to a human and make your order and then show up and pay. So the only thing that this new system is taking away from that scenario is the payment process. Yeah, and the social interaction. Can you pay with Bitcoin using this system? <laughs> I don't know. It goes. It seems Zemo seems to work with with credit cards. Okay. So I would say no. What about Krugerrands? Can I pay with Krugerrands or gold bullion or? Once again, I don't think Zemo has these things. They also it's called the Hyundai Digital Wallet payment platform. So. I don't know. I, I imagine this is just the beginning, and they needed w- at least one partner that works. Applebee's with- stepped up to the point. They're like, yeah, Absolutely. we'll take it. We'll yeah. do it. Yeah, we've been, we, have a, we have an idea for this. Uh, well, I bet you they were like, they probably had it for a long time. They were waiting. All these other people just dropped in at the last second, you know, like Chili's and like Red Robin. They're like, no, nah, nah, we're not ready yet. We're not ready. We can't, we can't handle, do it. We can't handle the, the technology increase. isn't there. We can't incre- we can't handle the increased load that this digital uh, wallet system, Hyundai powered wallet system. Well, once again, though, this is a this is an example of car companies taking functionality that already exists in a mobile phone, yeah, and duplicating it and putting it right on our dashboard. As yeah. if that's gonna, I mean, I don't know if I'm already like on my way to get. I don't know, like. How hungry do I get while driving? Pretty hungry, I guess. And it's it's like, I don't think anyone's asking for this. So I'm very curious to see how this does. And I'm curious how Hyundai's going to find out how they're going to discover whether customers, this is whether someone who bought a car bought it because of the system or it was part of the, the purchase decision. And if not, then what does this partnership cost them in terms of development, R&D, all that stuff? It's, it's really, it's an interesting kind of uh gray zone in the industry because hyundai's not the only one who's doing this and we're going to see more and more of this and and at a certain point it's like why are you using your car to do something your phone can do um this goes beyond bluetooth pairing and and streaming music and that kind of stuff this is a very specific thing that happens outside of your car you have to leave your car to go get this food It's, it's not like you don't need the car to do this you do need the car to stream music inside the car you don't need the car to eat at applebee's so i mean i wonder if this is you know this is just the building bones to uh or the building blocks um to a in car payment system that has nothing to do with food um, well, GM has that on a way, right? They have their yeah. whole shopping concept where you'll be buying products that are, I guess, advertised to you on on the system. I mean, yeah, if you think about sounds, it, that sounds intrusive too, though, doesn't oh, it? Oh, the instrument panel is the next frontier for revenue generation for car companies. It's just no gonna have, I'm gonna have a bajillion pop-ups to close on my dashboard. That sounds. Annoying. I mean, Applebee's Applebee's is paying for this to happen so that you'll go to Applebee's and not to Chili's, and they're paying to be inside Hyundai vehicles, and and just add a list of people who are willing to put themselves, have an icon on that home screen for an infotainment system. Here are the situations where I think I would pay for something in a, in a car. Um, in terms of commerce, 
a movie, like if I could buy the tickets to a movie and my seats to a movie from within a car on my way to the theater, because but that's you, something that's something that I sometimes do kind of spontaneously. But how, are, my, they gonna, how are they going to scan the ticket barcode on your infotainment screen? True, <laughs> but I imagine it would send a receipt to my phone, I guess. Well, why not just use your phone? Because I'm driving to the theater. I'm going to be late well, then. It's just as dangerous <laughs> to buy those tickets on an infotainment screen while you're driving. Is That's it true. not? I guess. I mean, unless there's an I app that, 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 that like does it for me, right? Well, how does um, it do it for you? Does it does it like just know what you want to see? Yeah, I mean, I guess it would tell me the, the closest theaters to me. Um, it would tell me what what is playing on those. Things. But yeah, that, that's way too many. That's way too many like prompts, right? Like which theater is close to you? That's one button. What movie do you want to see? Did that's you say two. rated R? <laughs> say <laughs> yes if yes. Say no if. Yes. <laughs> Not rated R. Um, okay, another situation where I don't want to talk to anyone while 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 having to pay for something in my car would probably be service. Uh, like service like in the car. Become the antisocial system. Like that's <laughs> yeah. that's immediately where your mind is gone. Yeah, absolutely. Would be service for what? What are you talking like about? Like my car. If I could pay for the service in my car, like let's say like a drive-in, um, like you know, like a Mr. Lube style um, oil change. Yeah. If I could just pay for that while I'm in my car, that might no, be... No, no, that's the worst. I, okay, <laughs> hear me out here. But if you go to a quick change oil place... No, but and even you if you don't, don't get... Your dealership. Okay, if you go to anywhere and you don't get out of your car and talk to the human beings who are doing your maintenance, I'm sorry, but I don't think that's a defensible behavior. <laughs> I feel like you owe them the fact, the acknowledgement that they are people just like you, and you're not like waiting for the robots to change your 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 oil and like buff up your tires or whatever it is people do with cars. I feel like, I feel like that's important. No, I'm serious. They're people, yeah. man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're like, everyone's what, a people. Wait, wait. Everyone's is there a, a button? Is there a button in the car that tints all the windows black so you don't have to look at them oh too? Is that can you get Sometimes that? Sometimes I would really love that though. That'd be so sweet. Don't lie, you'd like that too. No, it's wrong. <laughs> okay, all right. You know what? We've made. I think we made our point here with uh, with Hyundai's uh, digital payment platform and the Applebee's to go on that system. Um, if you have a Hyundai and like Applebee's. Please tell us how this feature works for, works for you. I would yeah, love to if know. You, if you've used this feature, I mean, we want to hear about it. We want to hear about how much time, how many seconds you saved. Yeah, and what that experience was like. Did you just feel special being like, oh, I paid for this with my car? And everyone being like, oh, I know what you mean. And a few people being like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and then you'd have to explain it to them while you're in the car. In the sh- And that takes up all the time you saved. So, <laughs> ma'am, self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay, I have another another new um, thing to talk to you about. It's about okay. Porsche. Porsche has um, a bunch of cars in their lineup. I think you, we know all the names here. We got the 911. That covers about 95% of the Porsche lineup. Um, there's also the Cayman, the Boxster, the Cayenne, the Macan, and the Panamera. Okay. Okay? They're coming up. They're coming up with a new Porsche, an all-electric one. Um, this was... This was Currently being discussed under the working name Mission E, E for electric, okay? Okay. They have officially given it a name. Ben, are you ready what? for this? I am ready. Why can't, I mean, it should be called like, you know, the, the 911 is called the Carrera. It should be called the Carrera E, right? Like it should be called like something like That's that. That's actually a really good idea. Okay. This is not called that. It's called the 
I man, I'm gonna butcher this. Take on. Take on. Take on me. Like aha. Take on. Take on. Take on or take on. Oh my goodness. And 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 for everyone who's wondering what a taken is, as we were, the name can roughly be translated as quote lively young horse. Like an animal horse. Yeah, an animal horse. <laughs> what, what other horse would it be? Like a like a wooden rocking horse? Um it's also being called a Eurasian name, specifically by Porsche, with no explanation. Okay. And uh it's it's supposed to refer to the Imagery at the heart of the Porsche crest, which has had a leaping horse since 1952. Right. Uh, totally understood. Taycan. Are you going to get used to that? Can you get used to that? I mean, we ne- I don't know if we could get used to Macon or Macan. Well, how do- I don't even know how to pronounce that anymore. Macon. Macon. But you know what's funny is there's a section of this press release where it's called Names with Meaning. Yeah. And it goes... At Porsche, vehicle names have generally had a concrete connection with corresponding model and characteristics. Oh, the first line makes no sense, Ben. (laughs) Okay, hear me out. The name Boxster describes the combination of the Boxster engine and Roadster design. Cayenne denotes fieriness. The Cayman is sharp and agile, I guess. What does that have to do? What is a Cayman? It's a it's a little baby it's like a miniature crocodile. Okay, gotcha. Um, and the Panamera, inspired by the Carrera Panamericana long distance race, offers more than any other standard sedan. The name Macan is derived from the Indonesian word for tiger. And then they just don't talk about Tikan. Tikan. They just don't talk about it. They're yeah, like, here's a lively horse. They did that enough. I guess so, but is this a lively horse? It's an electric sedan. Is that really like, like you said, Carrera <laughs> seems like a way better or like lightning Car- or like. <laughs> <laughs> or GT, 911 GTE? I don't know. I don't um, know. It just, I, it's, it's just, it's, it's kind of unusual. Okay. I think first that. Well, it definitely is a lively young horse. Has an output of 600 horsepower and does zero to 60 in 3.5 seconds. That's pretty sweet, buddy. All right. Um, I'm not trying to knock the Mission E. I'm actually excited about it, but it's just Taycan is just, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. It, it doesn't matter ultimately. Yeah. No one consulted me about this. I, I've rarely been consulted about Porsche name, naming nomenclature, so. There's also, hold on, um, what did we call it? Lively young horse. I found another another line in an infographic that says spirited young horse. Ooh. Ooh. Um, some, some shade, some light and shade to the, know? To the details of the Porsche Tacon available soon. <laughs> So you didn't like I mean the real question is Mission E did that have a did that have a real life name to it like did you It's a cool that? name but I don't think they can sell it. I don't think they, they can sell the Mission E. Okay. What other weird names are there right now? I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm pass on that question. Okay, hold up. There's I know we we're always laughing at names of cars. This is this is true. Um I got nothing. Exactly. Uh, what a can, terrible segment you just not introduced. If you can send us your... We should do that every week. We should just brain freeze on a brand new segment. Every single week it'll be like, a, what What car could climb a tree if, if cars were like, were like human monkey hybrids? And then nothing. Just like silence for 10 seconds. Yeah, we'll do that. I can do that. If sure. cars and whales, if whales developed cars, would they be full? Would they be as big as the whale or would the whale's head stick out on the top? Dead silence. <laughs> that makes no sense. Is that what I sound like? If, if, 
Uh, if a giant squid drove a school bus, would they need to put it in a cage or an aquarium? To protect the kids. Dead silence. I don't know why I'm so nautically themed with these terrible yeah. segments. Are ideas. you going to the aquarium later? If you want to send us your own terrible ideas for what we should definitely not be talking about on the Unnamed Automotive Podcast, you can do that by reaching out to us in a number of ways. Sammy, how can they get a hold of us? Um, me and Ben both occupy very different social media spaces. You can reach me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. And you can reach Ben on Instagram, where he does all of his photo taking. Uh, and he's quite a good photographer, I must say. You can reach him at Hunting Benjamin. And if you want to email me, you can do that too because I still use email. It's Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. Sammy, are there other ways they could find out about Unnamed Automotive Podcasts or like other places online where Unnamed Automotive Podcasts might be hiding? Definitely online. You can find us at UnnamedAutomotivePodcast.com. Um, and while you're there, you can see all of our past episodes. You can subscribe to us using whatever podcast client you like to use, including iTunes, Apple Music, um, Spotify, CastBox, which is one I don't know anything about except for that's what it's called. CastBox. <laughs> and you can also go to Facebook where we uh, – you can get in touch with us there, uh, Unnamed Automotive Podcast. We have our own page there, and uh, you can get in touch with us there. What else? Can you get in touch with? Can, can they get in touch with us there, Sam? Yeah, they can send us a message. Or they can say they can post something on our wall. Um, we promise we're not using your information for nefarious reasons, but maybe Facebook. Totally, can. totally plausible deniability on all data <laughs> gathering. So uh, until next week, thank you for listening, and we're gonna have some surprises next week. So we're not gonna tell you what we're going to be talking about, but I'm sure you'll enjoy it if you enjoyed anything about this this recent podcast. So thank you again for listening, and have a great week.